Oh man, that was a thick purple pour. Sounded like something from West County. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Wine Makers. soul was in West County. It's West it County. born somewhere else. <laughs> I'm John Myers with Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, Brian Casey over there in the theater seats, and our special guest today, Patrick Capiello uh, from Mono Rio Cellars, proprietor and winemaker there in Skull Wines, and Jesus Alleman. Welcome, assistant winemaker. Thanks for coming over, guys. And you've got barrels. I thought I thought we were getting a new barrel delivery no, when you pulled yeah. up. How many barrels you got out there? On the there's truck? A, there's eight barrels of white wine on that truck. Right out there. Yeah? yeah, yeah. No, we don't have much sun. Obviously, no heat today. Yeah, we got a reprieve from the atmospheric river for uh, what? Yeah, it twenty four hours. It broke. I thought you know there was even like a sucker hole of blue sky this morning. It rained four and a half inches last night. You got is that what you got at your house? No, from uh, Chen Lee. Okay, in, in uh, Glen Ellen. So. All right, my my dad got like a little over three on the top of the mile. You know, that's the rain shadow, right? In Glen Ellen, right. you get an you get an right. inch more rain than we would on the the Mayakama side, western slope. So but yeah, you know, it was oh, wow. It was uh, in nice. <laughs> 18 hours though we got that rain yeah, yeah, yeah. it was brutal yeah. west county was, was oh, i'm sure it dumped out there yes yeah. I, was... I live in a tin roof trailer in, in occidental and boy, <laughs> so did you did you get it any sleep any sleep yeah yeah and you see tom <laughs> it's actually become a soothing noise in my life to be honest with you. <laughs> built-in white noise machine <laughs> compared to the lower east side of new york city it's much different <laughs> is uh, tom yeah. white still hanging out in occidental yeah he's the, we see him every now and again him and uh yeah there's a couple you know less claypool and uh yeah and the, what is it, the, the basis from Whitesburg Panic also was in West County. Those are our three Dave, celebrities. Yeah, Dave yeah. Schools, yeah. schools. Yeah, Dave yeah, Schools. Those, those are the those yeah. are the three three main celebrities that that hang. Out hey, West you County. know, it is a uh, a bastion of uh, hipness and coolness. I gotta right. say. Yeah, I mean, Occidental. Do they still have the Union Hotel? Sure, I get pizza from there all the time. I love it. Nice. Great little dive bar too. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it. Mm-hmm. Well, welcome. Thanks for coming over. Yeah, thanks for having us. Did you drive in this morning, or were you picking up those barrels somewhere? Uh, we were. So we we so the wine we make wines at two facilities. We make wines at Pax primarily. Pax Pax Mali's facility in Sebastopol, and then we we just started making a little wine. It's Sonoma Valley Custom Wine, which is just here. Sure. Just on the other side of town, and the and the ghetto where we all make our wine. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the idea. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan um, McMillan is the, uh, yeah. the winemaker there, and, and done a great job with it. Shout us. out so, Ryan yeah. McMillan. Yeah, I Sonoma Valley High class of two thousand one. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Nice. <laughs> yours from back in the day, right? Yeah, yeah. Sam, in traditional <laughs> style, I'm going to say first of all. Hell of a wine we just tasted. I just it, beautiful. <laughs> Without getting into your background, I just want to compliment you. Thanks, man. that's great. I mean, this is an exciting wine to have. Well, it's been a great show. Thanks for yeah. coming, everybody. <laughs> Drop the mic and head on out. It's a it's a fun wine. This is the first year we made this wine, and actually, I have to say it's because of Jesus, who's here with us, that we that we make this wine. Uh, Jesse's Grove, which is the vineyard. Um, Tegan calls this Spinker Ranch, but it's the same vineyard. Nineteen hundred planted Carignan. Wow. Uh, in in Lodi, okay. most of the ninety nine percent of the wine that Monterio Cellars makes, ironically, is in the is in is the in Central Lodi? Valley. Yeah, uh, we make one one wine from Mendocino, and all the rest is in Lodi. And you know, we can get into the reason why that is. It wasn't by design when I came when I decided to name my winery after a town in West County. I thought I'd be making a lot more wine in Sonoma, but I learned very quickly that my idea of wanting to make wine affordable, which as Sam and some of these other guys in the room know, you know, back when I was a sommelier, I was I was hell bent on making wine lists that were affordable, and you know, making wine approachable has always been 
my desire in my career in wine, which is, you know, pushing 25 years now, I guess I've been in wine. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, you know, definitely um, a complicated thing to do when it comes to the vineyards on Sonoma Coast. Just Where were you a son? Uh, I started. Well, it's, it's yeah, a, it's yeah. a list. Yeah, do we want to get into that right away? The, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm happy to go through the the whole history of it. But, I mean, yeah. the connection from Lodi to Monterio is actually it's Highway 12. It's all Highway 12. That's sure exactly, right. Point. Yeah. You know, you're on one end of Highway 12 to the other end of Highway 12. It sure is. Yeah. 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 So. And to work with vineyards like this, so Jesus used to work for Jesse's Grove, who owns this vineyard. They also own Royalty, which we made as well, which is Turley's old, old vine vineyard. Uh, it's a Zimbanel heavy vineyard. And then um, the Bechtold Cinso, which we also made in 21, is uh, is right there as well and owned by the same family. So he just worked for them. That was his first wine, uh, assistant winemaker job. And that's when I encountered him. And then uh, when he came over to start working with me at Monterio, he came with uh, the, I don't know, we call it a, a dowry. What's, what's the thing called? When you, a dowry? A dowry. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's, that's actually pretty funny. Yeah. He, he just came with these vineyards attached to him, which is pretty fucking awesome. Actually, he wasn't even working with me. He hand, deli he hand delivered the Bechtold Cinso to me, the one ton of fruit that we got. So we became friends. He wrote me a very kind letter two years ago. It, yeah. Just talking about having had tasted the wines that we were making, Pax and I were making at the beginning were from Monterio and sent a really kind letter and invited Pax and I to come out and look at the vineyards with him. And then shortly after, offered us a little fruit. And then he just kept hanging around the winery. And I was like, do you want a job, dude? <laughs> <laughs> so, so your background was working in the vineyard or was working in the cellar? Um, it was working in the cellar. Um, I was a bio major at Sonoma State. Um, and I always thought that fermentation was super interesting. And that's sort of where I got into wine. And and I don't know. I, I turned 21. I... I went wine tasting and the next morning I wake up to a text message and say it um, from Greg Burns. And he said, hey, come on Monday. <laughs> I, I had no idea. <laughs> Showed up knowing barely anything about cellar work or um, or mainly anything. And yeah. He, and, and that was where? That, that's in Lodi. That's uh, Jesse's Grove. Right. The wine that we're Jesse, drinking. Because Jesse's Grove is a winery. It is. Also. But right? they also own these like amazing right. heritage vineyards right. that are so special. Yeah. Yeah. And it's pretty pretty amazing. Yeah. 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 And then just tasting wines and getting to know the, the brand Monterio as a whole. And I always thought that it would be a cool idea to bring him onto those vineyards because um, I know that he would really like it. And and yeah. And then he was crazy enough to offer me a job. <laughs> <laughs> Asus, I was working, was working part time for me. You know, my my life is pretty transient. Uh, I'm doing the old old fashioned brand building, as we talked about in the parking lot. But you know, uh, going from a sommelier to being a winemaker, you know, there's a lot that goes. There's a lot of layers to that, right? There's a lot of sommeliers that become winemakers. And you know, when this project was an idea, a very drunken idea that Pax and I were having a conversation about after my restaurants had closed. So I was a sommelier at a bunch of places, owned a few restaurants that were iconic and were wine world in New York. I had unfortunate business partners that just shut the restaurants down. And I found myself at 45 years old, unemployed, uh, had only dreamed of owning restaurants in New York and never wanted to imagine doing anything else. And it all came crashing down. And I just started uh, finding my way down the bottom of Jameson's bottle. And my best friend, Pax Malley, reached out and said, how you doing? And I'm like, doing great. He's like, doesn't sound like it. So... <laughs> He invited me out to work harvest and and I was just entranced. Uh, I I uh, just kind of fell in love with Sonoma County and and Monterio is 
one of these things we would take these trips. I was kind of actually chasing a girl at the time too. Uh, so I was kind of in this moment of falling in love with California and falling in love all at the same time in 2017. And I remember we would take trips to the coast and go through Monterio and I was always entranced by this town. It's so fucking wild, right? It's such a weird, it's like a beach, it's like a river town. And, and, like and, the, and the roads like come together, but they don't make any sense. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, the, the I, river. I always get lost out there. Yeah. And, so, and you know, nine times out of 10, your cell phone doesn't work. So like yeah. Google Maps is completely oh, useless. Absolutely. And, <laughs> absolutely. And it's old Grateful Dead hangout too. They played so many times in that uh, oh, there's some hot, yeah. yeah, there's some epic like late yeah. 60s, 25 minute dark star where they don't sing a lyric until like minute 17. Uh, yeah, there's some epic shows out there. <laughs> but but even in the 80s and 90s, there were some great shows at the theater that now were totally getting distracted. But there were the great, label, so right, it's not but, a bad but, idea. But, but there, but there <laughs> were a lot of like punk the rock theater. shows yeah. and stuff there, I, if I remember right. Yeah. Yeah. And, anyway. Still on brand. Yeah, it's yeah, a, a, totally. a nexus of, of culture, the kind of culture that we right. like out there for right. sure. Um, Plus, there's a great little golf course. The amazing golf I course. I love yeah, that. Designed by Jack Nicholson. Yeah, yeah. 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 They're Jack Nicholas. Yeah. With, with all those weird, uh, all the the owl sculptures because it's across the river from Bohemian Grove. But, yeah. yeah. Another strange place in, in West strange. County. I mean, yeah. yeah. Talk about weird energy. There's definitely, you know, the roads and the rivers all come together. There's a confluence of uh, of weirdness that drew Patrick out of, out of New York. I mean, right? Yeah. yeah. Patrick, Patrick, I've always wondered, how did, how did you and Pax meet? Like, how did you guys become friends? It's funny, you know, because the story has kind of got multi-layered. The first few get, uh, encounters with Pax were not great. I remember, you know, because... <laughs> he was probably trying to sell you one. No, what? no, he wasn't have to. Because he, he, he so, so his partner at the time, uh, the, Joe Donlin... Uh, whose name I'm not supposed to mention, but I did, oh, but I did anyway. Right. <laughs> Nobody listens. That's a whole layer of like. <laughs> that's a whole other layer. Than yeah. that. Uh, Pam Maley will kill me. Uh, so uh, I, I met uh, Joe Donlin used to be a regular at Veritas, where I was a sommelier, arguably the most famous restaurant in the United States for wine during the late 90s, early 2000s. And I was a psalm there for four years. And so because Joe Donlin was a, a partner in PAX and also best one of close, close friends of Park B. Smith who owned the restaurant, PAX had a huge presence on the wine list there. And back then it was his first vintages and he had these fucking bottles. They were so huge. They wouldn't fit in our racks. <laughs> and I used to, we used to have to deal with them in different bins and the labels were all fucked. And whenever he came in, I remember just looking at him like, you're the asshole that had the, the you know, you're the, you're the guy with a little penis complex that had to use these huge bottles of Bottles of wine to, to put to put his wine like in. Like Tegan though, it's early with those puck shapes. Yeah, so. it's exactly what it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah, those. I mean, I think that was probably more a Larry Turley decision than a Tegan right, decision. Right, yeah. yeah. But uh, and and you know, I'm I'm joking when I say that about packs, but I think he, he probably the bottles were not his idea either. And his bottles are. Well, much... we've we've all come a long way in the wine business in general when it comes to those bottles. Yeah, and for sure. <laughs> some of us anyway. What, yeah. what do you mean, Sam? I don't know. <laughs> Let's not talk about out of ten. Yeah. That was a Frenchman's yeah. decision. Yeah. Oh, I, I got it. Can't, there is a we, we know that there is a um you know there's there's an I, alternative now. I just ordered the lightest weight bottle that I could made in America from uh our friends at Tricorbron for our bottle ins this spring. So it has to be the wine the bottle sitting right in front of you because that is the bottle. I, I got uh I have that, the burgundy and then oh, the wait. and the burgundy yeah. also. Yeah. yeah, mostly burgundies. We do a little bit into the Bordeaux. Wait, but... Did you finish your story? No. <laughs> Which Classic. <laughs> Which one? How do you met Pax? Oh, oh, so other yeah. than yelling at him about yeah, his yeah, bottle yeah, yeah. shape. Okay. So, it's so always so, it's always about Sam, Brian. Yeah. So that was that was when I first met him. And I and I think that and I think then, you know, he, I mean I don't know that he even remembers you back then. I'm sure he does, but we 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 got a chance to know each other a bit there. I mean me I'm I'm joking when I say all those things 
about the bottles, but you know, it was, it was annoying as a Psalm to have to deal with it. And then, you know, at that point he was, he was on top of the world and, you know, he was like, you know, he was like hundred point Parker wines left and right and, you know, making wine in a very different style. And I think probably, you know, then, then, then hanging out with a different, different crowd. And then when I opened Pearl and Ash, that's when he started coming around and hanging around the restaurant. And that's when we became really good friends. I mean, you know, I realized very quickly, I think back then I looked at him as being kind of almost this untouchable California winemaker. And Pax has never had an ego. He's always been a very approachable, kind person. I mean, his history of assistant winemakers is tells the tale. But I think at the time I kind of looked at him as being this untouchable person who has been maybe even a bit intimidating to me. But then when he started hanging out my restaurants, ordering Alamon and ordering Gone On and all these great Northern Rome producers that I love and Dovisat and Ravineau, we started to bond over wines that we were drinking together uh, and very quickly became very good friends. And that was from the year one, 2013, when, when he first started uh, hanging out at Pearl and Ash. That one, when did Pearl and Ash open? 2013 we opened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So and, we stayed friends and, right. and, and, and then, you know, continued. And then, and then I started, that was after Pearl and Ash opened in 2013, Rebel opened in 2015. Uh, that and right. that was when I started doing the little thing with Chris at Verity, right. which was this kind of ends the story of mine and Pax's friendship, not ends the story. The, the continuation of it was Chris disorder. What was the name of that little, the book? It was called Renegade, which Renegade. means renegade in French. Yeah, right. Right. So Chris disorder who owned Verity and I started this little thing, basically like a Patrick Capiello selections. We had some French producers that I liked as well as California producers that I thought weren't getting, you know, attention. And back then it was, I mean, the first, like the first a California producer I started working with actually was Jolie Laid. Julia Weinberg actually introduced me to Scotty. I didn't even know he was working with Pax, but nobody knew, nobody knew the wines in New York. He was with a distributor that wasn't doing an awesome job at the time. Uh, and so Scott was kind of my first client that I took on just to introduce to sommeliers too. Uh, and then Pax jumped on board that really quickly afterwards. Uh, and then Michael Cruz, uh, actually Levy Dalton. Levy Dalton introduced me to Michael Cruz Back then, I mean, again, no, not a lot of those wines in California. That was, right. that was, a, it was not, back then it was we just, ding, we ding what was the, that like? We ding the big names. Oh, is that, is that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Michael Cruz, <laughs> you throw that to, you know, Levy. But, 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 right? but, 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 my, but nobody knew Michael Cruz's wines back then. I mean, right. I think people right. knew in California, but back, that back then, this is 2013, 2014, weren't talking about California wine the way they are now. Right. They were only talking about French wine and European wine. So, and I'm not saying, I mean, I think that the door was, the opportunity was there. Michael was making great wines. I think that luckily Chris had the idea of me kind of like shining a light on some of these producers and hoping that some of these other Psalms that were French, French, Franco centric would kind of jump on board as well. And that's what happened. Yeah. And I mean, then, it was the rise of the, of the more open Psalm, really the younger Psalm. Yeah. Yeah, well, for I sure. Know, the Psalms stopped wearing suits and started wearing shirts with skulls on them. And yeah, stuff, right. Right. At least one of them. At least right. one of them did. Yeah. <laughs> now it seems more common. Took off the pins. Yeah, I never had a pin. They would never. No, that was. I would never be given a pin. I wouldn't want. Wouldn't want one. <laughs> well, this this wine is freaking delicious, and um, it it reminds me of you know the area. I mean, it's like really fresh and vibrant. Um, it, it has that tension of the acid um, and the youthfulness. It's delicious. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. And and so this is how many cases? We made 200 cases of this wine uh, in 2021. Yeah, we haven't released it yet, actually. I mean, I mean I've actually been wa waiting to release it on my website, and maybe I'll use this uh, this podcast as the reason to do it. There you go. Yeah. I, I, right. I You know, it's, it's I've never made, you know, this is the first time that Monterio kind of jumped into this next level with really serious vineyards, and we'll taste another pretty spectacular vineyard uh, next. You know, originally the idea behind Monterio was more about just 
table wine mm-hmm. and making wine affordable and approachable. And and so we make like a basic petite, petite Syrah. We make an old vine Zinfandel that's now a blend of a couple of different vineyards. Uh, but kind of like in the realm of what Shirley started with, it was kind of the model for me, right. you know, and making that affordable, easy, approachable thing. And then we started making, you know, made some French Columbard. We, we toyed with a few different things during the course of it, but old California, as the label would dictate, I mean, basically... I sent my designer like a 60s era Charles Krug label and I'm like, make it look like this. Nailed it. And then she yeah, did totally. it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So so I think that the the philosophy behind the winery has always been old California throwbacky, not only with the the look, but the but the price. And also, you know, also the winemaking. I mean, we're 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 we've gone back to making wine the way for me as a sommelier at Veritas, I would taste, you know, BV George Latour from the 60s and then Colgan 2010 and <laughs> no shade. But you know what? The wine that I was walking away being excited about at the end of the day was the older BV wines. And, you know, if you look at that scenario with alcohol content and wine style, right. it was done more the way that we're doing it or, you know, with the way that they were doing it in France. So, you know, we don't use all the fermentations that we do take place. Well, everything I do is whole cluster. Um, there's a semi-carbonic maceration that happens with most of the vineyards. So we, we start off, you know, in, in tank, seal it up for like three days, let carbonic start start. And then we'll do morning and night pump overs once things get moving. And then we'll get a, I mean, like Jesus and I will jump in the tank, you know, crush up the cap with our feet, you know, after day 10 or so. And then all the elevage takes place in old barrels, basically whatever I can find used that's cheap right. to keep the price point down. And then, uh, you know, we bottle, uh, two times a year, spring for the whites and the light reds, and then fall for the, for the, uh, the hardier reds. There's no over vintaging allowed at pack. So we have no choice but to move that quickly. Hmm. Uh, so the recipe is pretty simple, but yeah. I mean, you were saying when we were in the parking lot, it's like you're building a brand here and you're jumping in and and you've got to be efficient with everything you do. For sure. Um, And and it sounds like you're off to a a very good start, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But that's a tough market to be in, man. I mean, you're you're playing against the big boys with kind of where your price range is and what you're doing and... Fight the good fight. Yeah, dude. I mean, I'm 100. I want to fuck Constellation as much yeah, as I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's yeah. the goal. That yeah, should I just mean, be I, the, yeah. the next name of yeah. the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, it's you know, um, it, it was always a thing when I was a sommelier. I always scratched my head as to why there weren't more people in California making wines that I could pour by the glass. You know, I was always reaching for something from Spain or like the the you know Cotarone or right. or or you know uh, like Italy. There was there was weren't a lot of, exa- of great opportunities to work with California producers. Now I understand why. Right. Totally. <laughs> and we make a more you know, more affordable brand packs and I. So you know, Monterey Cellars is my project that that now now I get to make with my friend Jesus here, uh, and and uh, Skull Wines is a collaborative effort between Pax and myself that we make together, which is. California Appalachian blends, and we Jesus and I make a base wine for those wines: red, white, pink, and sparkling. And this year we made an orange version for the hipsters. Uh, and uh, so these wines are all like eighteen dollars retail, yeah. um, and they're all California Appalachian blends. Uh, Pax and I utilize them as kind of a Bordelais second wine kind of model. So we have barrels of wines that we're not using. We can throw into that as well, which helps us ele- elevate what's happening here. So, uh, so it's all wine that you guys have produced. It's not 100%. like a, it's not like a bulk wine project. No. Yeah, that's no. awesome. Yeah, and so yeah. those ones are leaner margins too, but that's the one that's really, that's the one that I really am intending to fuck Constellation with. That's that's right. the goal there is to produce more and more of that. Skull Wines uh, as a winery is at about 5,000 cases in, in 21 vintage. Yeah. Monterio is at about 4,000 cases. Yeah. And then Skull this year will jump up to 6,000 cases. The red is being the biggest biggest skew. Uh, but we're selling in you know 30 plus states, plus Canada, Australia, um, now in Asia a little bit as well. We're trying to branch out and make, you know, put our mark on it. And the only way to make any money from that 
that that price point with that is to make more wine right yeah so we're learning it as we go and you know it's a lot of responsibility which is why we're working with ryan and and you know that facility makes it a little easier for us to make some base wines yeah yeah and honestly like work orders like you know it's funny i I was like i was like now i understand why people like think winemaking is so easy like it's pretty easy when you just walk in and write stuff down we do things a little bit more a little bit more hardcore at at packs it's like you get shamed if you're not digging out at least every third tank you know what i mean i'm 50 years old with three herniated discs (laughs) in my back doesn't fucking work so well for me anymore (laughs) well and the tanks over there are a lot bigger than they are at paxes yeah for sure i mean actually we was funny we walked in one day we were looking for ryan everywhere and like all of a sudden out of the bottom of a what had to be like a that had to be like a yeah it's such a, such a huge tank ryan slides out the bottom of it i'm like holy fuck bro and he's not a little dude either no. <laughs> sweaty head to toe he's like you know everyone got it every now and again you got to do one to show him how it's done and i'm like yeah i get it so, yeah but i mean i'm 50 years old so it's not you know it's not i'm, I'm not i'm not i'm not you know our interns are in their 20s yeah you're there's a reason we hire them exactly. <laughs> they didn't live the life you lived no <laughs> To say one thing about the wine, I guess this is a wine podcast. Uh, what I keep seeing when we bring in thoughtful producers who are making wines from Lodi is that they're fresh and vibrant and ha- and you know my like preconceived notions growing up that like Lodi was where the giant overwrought zins of the you know bottom shelf of the farm you know the supermarket were coming from, and clearly that was style and not location. Yeah, I mean, right? Well, so. If you look at the rise of Zap, like Zap was the, was what kind of saved Lodi, but also kind of set, get, it, set yeah. it right, yeah. set it that Lodi Zen had to be high alcohol and sweet, at least in my interpretation. And I think what's going on now is people are saying, look at these old vines and look at all the life they have in them, and look at the wines we can make out of them. Yeah. You know, I worked at Kenwood in the eighties and. We used to do a lot of Clarksburg fruit and a lot of Lodi fruit for the vintage red, vintage white. You know, it was seven bucks a bottle was the idea. And it was the Zinfandel was definitely going to that overripe kind of thing. But the vintage red, which was a lot of Carignan, it was a lot of Zin, a lot of um, probably Petite. Um, it was that kind of freshness and, and vibrancy. And, you know, it it it. No one ever knew how long it aged because we drank them so quickly. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, actually, Jesus probably could speak to this more because he did work at a winery that had a tasting room. But, you know, I think that also there is a there's an idea where this was the way Lodi wines were being made because they just were being made that way. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean that they couldn't be. I mean, we, I mean, Jesus, did you find that people came to those tasting rooms with the want, desire to want to have these big, bold uh, Zinfandels? Is that- um, they did, to be honest. Uh, and then a little bit of what we, we were trying to do is I was trying to make wines that were on the opposite section. I was like, hey, we can have acidity. We can have we can have this wine that tastes really good for a really good price that could compete with with uh, other bigger wineries. Uh, that's what we were trying to do. Um, and yeah, and I mean, looking at Patrick and I was like, well, th- he can obviously do it and and make it a really good product. I mean, I think Greg Luffla, what he does is pretty cool in that, in that vineyard as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so he's making, he, he, they, they, he was a big inspiration to you, right? I mean, the, yeah. yeah, yeah, Greg Luffla, huge influence on, on my winemaking and a really good friend. I help him prune a vineyard and, and uh, drive a tractor and, and that Pinot, he has a, a, a Pinot vineyard in West County close to close to where Patrick lives. So we, we were out there and, and, and he's showing me how to do all these great things that, that I can then that I can then um, translate into what we're doing with our little vineyard in, in Lodi. Yeah. 
Yeah, you just talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we are we're actually doing we're we're farming a um, flame toke vineyard in Lodi. Cool. Um, it's it's a crazy site just because every other row is interplanted with olives. Oh, so you well, heard that uh, pretty pretty classic, right? Yeah, it's yeah. very not classic. Not how old how old are the vines? Eighteen sixties, eighteen eighties. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. So they they're own rooted. Own rooted. Yeah. They've they've had a lot of training. Uh, different trainings so it's uh it's fun to go and prune uh but it's a crazy site we've been working on it since last year yeah how are um, the olives numbers no, <laughs> well that's yeah i mean it's funny we actually didn't she offer us some olives yeah yeah, yeah. the woman so, who owns the vineyard is 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 really interesting lady yeah um, yeah but, yeah, yeah we're working on it and then and actually i still have to prune it so maybe yeah. we did make wine from it last year though we we the birds we we realized we need to net it but but the birds got yeah, at the it birds but, love those yeah. big berries yeah and flame tokai yeah yeah so, so we got like three, we got like what like 0. 0.7 tons out of the point six of a ton yeah so we made two <laughs> barrels of wine and it's delicious super and fun how early does that where does that come in the ripening curve we picked it i mean it was, it's it's crazy the the there's two plots in the vineyard, so there's um, um, there's the main plot, and then um, north of that, there's a couple other rows that were really vigorous, and those were much riper. So they came in at an average of 21, 21 breaks. Um, yeah, when, when did we pick that? But is it like a real early harvest, or is it... it was, no, that was, I, didn't, I had to look my Instagram. It was whatever day was when when Tegan got me, we know Tegan got me hammered. No, I was at Tegan's house and he got us totally drunk playing blind till you're blind. <laughs> That's a game you play at Tegan's house. When okay. and you, you crash, he's a crash pad for all of us because he's got he's, he lives in Victor and he has an extra bedroom, but he barbecues. Yeah, yeah. So you know, yeah. You, have you played blinds here blind well, yet? No, you know, when when Bart and I were there, he literally had, I think, two saw horses and a piece of plywood down. That was his furniture. Yeah. 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 It's not changed much. We, we, didn't, we didn't spend the night. We were the, in and out, but yeah. um, but we hit it pretty hard. Yeah. We, we've talked about doing a, a Lodi uh, roundtable out there at his place. Well, wasn't he? He was like converting the, the old butcher shop and like he was going to make a winery. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Winery, yeah. Uh, it's okay. almost done. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Cool. It's a cool little. Wait, right across the street. Yeah. Right across the street from arguably the best dive bar in Central Valley. Right. No place. Yeah. Nope. yeah. Don't mention the name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's unfortunately not open. It burned. So sadly, oh, no it's not. Shit. Yeah, it burned. Really? Yeah, burned last oh, year. Fuck. Yeah, and I don't know if we're gonna reopen it. Yeah, it's sad. Huh. Don't even get Tegan going on that, man. He'll start crying the minute you talk about it. I mean, <laughs> if you're going to do a fundraiser for something. I'm down with that. Let's do it. Let's do a fucking GoFundMe. Or go. I'm down, man. I'll, I'll donate some wine. Start an auction. So do you notice that? So, so because people like yourself and Tegan are making these wines from Lodi, do you think that the prices of grapes will actually, or are people saying that like and, sort of work against yourself, right? You start to elevate in the a Lodi way, but but you, and then, you know it's a lot of these families that have been growing grapes for a long time, and it's it's on one hand it's probably nice to give them a little bit more money for what they're doing, but on the other hand, the whole reason you kind of shifted your model and started making grapes, making wine from those grapes, is that they were affordable. Yeah, actually, we should taste the next wine because it'll be a good interlude into that. Cool. But but I, I, while we're doing that, I'll tell you for sure. It's a, you know, it's a problem, but it's a but like you said, it's like well deserved. But the reason we're there is for this value. But I will tell you that I see a lot more people uh, that I know from Sonoma County that are pulling up a trucks and load out while we're out there. And yeah. I've introduced a lot of winemaker friends. I mean, I mean, the Glabs have started to work with with uh, from Rhyme have started to work with the Vermentino Vineyard that Pax and I make wine from Martha Stuman as well. Yeah. Um, um, Guthrie family also has been working out there. I've introduced yes. Craig Ledbetter, who's the farmer who farms 
uh, not these vineyards, but our, my Sangiovese vineyard that we make called River's Edge. Um, he's, that's his family's vineyard. But, um, you know, there's more and more people that are coming out there. I mean, I'm excited for people to come out there. Obviously, it does drive up the price. But, um, you know, in the end, like you said, the people deserve it. And this is a great example. So we're tasting a wine called Teresi Vineyard. It's the first year I made it. Um, I met Nico uh, through a guy named Brett, Brett Mew. Brent, Brent's, Brent's winery is, uh, what's Brent's winery? Brent Mew's winery is, uh, um, it's going to come to me and I'm sorry. Anyway. Uh, That's sorry, right. Brent. Let it flow. Uh, Brent, Brent, so he he was out of, he's, he's, he's friends with uh, Rosalind Reynolds, who's the assistant winemaker at PAX. We know. She's, M.A. She's, yeah, she's M. been on the show. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he stopped by to see her and he's like, dude, you're making wine in Lodi, right? I was like, yes, I am making wine in Lodi. So uh, he's like, well, I want to introduce you to this guy, Nico, that I met at some wine fair or i don't remember the the venue that he was in and he met him but he's, he said he's a farmer he's working regenerative farming and it's pretty special um i think you should talk to him so uh i got his number from brent called uh called nico on the phone and nico, nico answered the phone i said i'm so interested to hear what's going on uh with your vineyard he said you know patrick it's funny if you would have talked to me three years ago i would have told you that i never even had a or, or no what he said was i never had an organic vegetable until three years ago so this kid is like true central valley farmer you know what i mean fourth generation farmer you know doesn't believe in any of this crazy stuff that all these hippies believe in in west county uh and so he uh he was out one day uh spraying for some sort of mite in the vineyard uh in uh um um, ran his canister ran dry radius right he was like five rows from finished and i feel like this is a story you hear about all the time in france he was like fuck it i'm going home to my kids i'm done for the day that summer there was a mite that came in the vineyard that decimated his entire vineyard except for the five Those rows five he didn't rows. he didn't oh spray. no way so for him it was okay. like like a light bulb moment yeah. and he was like holy shit there must be what, what what's going on here and it sent him down this deep dive of trying to understand farming and regenerative farming he went to fresno state got a truly conventional you know farming degree and uh, his, his farming the same way his grandfather did and all this so he um basically just started doing regenerative farming without even knowing he was doing it he just started like YouTube videos and reading books and all this sort of stuff. And now he's doing amazing things like one, you know, one row he'll plant down pumpkins that he then is taking to feed his cattle that he's then using for the manure. So true biodynamics happening. One row is tomatoes that he gives to his grandma to make sauce. You know, one row is herbs. And, and so his, his, the yans on this vineyard are like, I think it was, what was it like, like 380 or something like that when we, when we took the yans on it, it's like insane. It's the most healthy vineyard we've ever worked. The wine ferments so fast and we do literally nothing. We don't do anything to any of our, our, vineyards anyway we don't inoculate or anything but but this just moves so quickly we don't even have to worry about it it just goes so this is the we we bought this fruit with the idea it was going to go in a red blend because we didn't really know much more about it than that um we fermented it and it turned out to be the best wines we had in the cellar the vineyard is half it's 65 acres half is planted to zinfandel half is planted to petite syrah and uh we did this blend just for him like interplanted or no we separate separate there yeah one one on the one on the east one on the west uh and we we fermented them all separately and Jesus and I were so impressed with how these wines were tasting we decided we were going to do a little 200 case um, bottling just to basically to pay an homage to Nico and for all his hard work and thank him so we just called it Teresi Vineyard this is a 50-50 blend of Zin and Petit Syrah again we've only released this just on the website but never anywhere else but it's for me it's like it's delicious yeah super yeah. fun yeah. And, and again whole cluster all whole clusters semi-carbonic maceration fermented separately uh, in a mixture of concrete and stainless steel and aged in old wood barrels okay. So how do you get acidity but maintain tannin? 
we harvest early, man. You know, yeah. we, we, we're, we're out there picking at 22, 23 picks. You know, a trick I learned from Martha is, is this idea of going out twice, going out early and doing a pick and pack packs does it as well. It's not an uncommon thing for a lot of people to do, but Martha does it with such ferocity because she's so against adding anything to her wines, especially acid. And even though it's something we can do, she wants to try and think of an alternative solution. So she'll go out twice and pick early at like 20 bricks and then go back at like 23 bricks. So you're averaging it out, but now you have this acid component in the cellar that you can bring back in. So the Terezi vineyard, we harvest twice. So we have an early and a late pick in this vineyard as well. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the vineyards, I mean, obviously, you know, the two, three tons of Jesse's, of Jesse's Grove Carignan, we're not picking twice, but these sort of things that we can get a little more fruit in, we'll, we'll go two times. It's a little more work, but you know, it gives us the ability to pick a couple of different vineyards at the same time and truck it together. We truck a lot of our fruit, especially in the high heat of the summer, we truck in refrigerated trucks. So we try to fill those trucks again for economy of scale, like to keep things, keep things affordable. Um, you know, I'm a very, because I was, you know, a restaurant owner for a long time, I know how to work a spreadsheet pretty well. So I'm pretty focused on, I'll never forget the time that I asked everybody at the winery what the, if they, for their cost of goods sheet. Right. And they all looked at me like, I was a, what is it called? I think I called it a COGS. And they were like, who the, what's, yeah, beat it, Poindexter. Yeah. I'm, I'm co-fermenting Pinot and Plums over here. Yeah, exactly, exactly. There is no, there is no cog. There's no cog yeah. there, bro. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so this is this is Terezi, yeah. Which now is we're gonna make our petit sirah, which was we were just making a generic petit sirah for Monorio. It's gonna be Terezi vineyard going forward. So yeah. Cool. And are you still working with Mission Grapes? I do. I still make from Summers. Yeah, which okay. is like yeah, that's a good example. I was gonna say when you were talking about things getting expensive when we first started making that Mission Vineyard. You know, I like the Tegan approach. Like, don't put the name of the vineyard on it. Just make it. And of course, Pax made it that year too. He wanted to make Mission as well in nineteen. We both made it at the same time, and he put Summers Vineyard on there, the motherfucker. And every next, <laughs> and the farmer called me after after we got some press, and like Andre Mack did a write up on it in Food and Wine, and that was the front page was Pax's mine right next to it, Summers Vineyard Mission. And then I, tw two days later, I got a call from the farmer being like. Hey, so the uh, fruit's getting more expensive this year. I'm like, thank you, Pax, you motherfucker. But I mean, you know, like Pax wants to do the right thing by the by the farmers, which is what you know. I learned that from him as well. It's why I do this. But at the same time, you know, looking at Tegan's approach of maybe keeping your cards a little tighter to your chest is a better way to handle it. Yeah, yeah. But I just remember hearing that you guys did like seven different fermentations on the mission at first. It was like yeah, we did warm concrete, cold we, concrete. Exactly. It was like insanity. So this methodology and then, and then was to ended up blending them all back oh, together. Because well, you, you know the reason why we did that is you know Pax did this with um, this Shannon Blanc project that he started doing, and you could just have Pax on and tell you all these stories. I could just tell them for you. But him and Jamie Motley, when they decided they were going to make Shannon Blanc, they went to France and they visited every Shannon Blanc producer that they loved. And made all these different ferments. One was Guiberto, one was Clorigard, one was Collier, and they labeled them all differently. And then they were all kind of that different thing: hot, cold, cement. So, concrete. so they took the inspiration from the different producers, <clears throat> exactly, and then recreated them with the same fruit in their own cell. Exactly with Buddha's yeah. Dharma. Yeah. So, so I wanted so to a utilize total that. learning exactly because well, we nobody we we'd never made mission. Right. Pax had never made mission. Right. The only people we knew that did make mission were Brock and pa and uh, Raj. And they both said, "Whatever you do, don't sort of don't do any of that hipster whole cluster of uh, you know uh, carbonic shit. You can't do that with mission. You have to distem it." So Pax and I, of course, like fuck you. We're not going to distem it if you tell us we have to. We're going to do the opposite. So we were a little nervous because we didn't know what it was going to turn out to be. So yeah, we did all of these different ferments. They all went into barrel, had different labels. But then some Pax took his shit that he wanted. I took mine. We did twenty. We took. We almost took the whole vineyard that year. I think Adam Sabelli first was the only one getting fruit out of there besides us, and we took twenty tons of fruit out of that vineyard. And that became a big part of wow. the the skull 19. You know, now I only get five tons of that vineyard. 
Uh, that's yeah. the big change that's happened because of other people. Yeah, which yeah. is great. I'm psyched to share it. There's a lot right. of really nice people in that vineyard now, right. and right. you know, making in how much mission can you sell? Right. And then we made Angelica this year after Tegan like accosted me when we were drunk at the, at his house about the fact that we weren't making Angelica. So okay, now we're so a we Angelica. heard about this, but I've never tried it. But I heard about I think it was you. That was like the original, yeah. like probably the, you know some of the original California yeah, wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I think Bedrock has done. Yeah, I don't know or if they, has ever, one they, they have it going. I don't know if they ever released it he or hasn't released it yet. anything. Yeah, Morgan yeah. hasn't released it yet. Yeah, and, Tegan and, released and, his. And for, Tegan and, had one. And Brock has too. Brock okay. has made it and released it. Yeah. So, yeah. so explain it for us. So, so the history of mission and how it arrived in California is based on the Spanish missionaries, right? That's why we call it mission because the Spanish missionaries uh, built a chapel and around the chapel they planted a little vineyard. That vineyard was uh, the that, at that point, well, the mission grape comes from Canary Islands, at least on Pietro, it's called there. Went to South uh, Latin America where they called it Pais and then it came up the California coast with the missionaries and that was the same grape varietal. Uh, but back then the missionaries were making, you know, they didn't have winemaking equipment. Where they were making it, um, they would just foot crush it and then they would add brandy to so then it was communion wine. And then during prohibition, every, you know, it was a, a legal thing to make. So people, you know, in Central Valley were drinking and all over California were drinking Angelica. For well, then, yeah. religious purposes. For religious purposes, of course. <laughs> right. Praise God. Uh, <laughs> and so this form of wine was still made that way. So basically, there's a whole way about how it's made now. If you talk to Tegan, he'll give you a very strong opinion about how, how he makes it and how it should be made. Um, we heard from Randy Caparoso has become a very important part of Monterio. He's a friend and an amazing, yeah, ding him, ding him up, please. I drop names all day long, bro. I, I'm just a product of, I'm just a product of these people though. You know what I, I mean? Like you, I for you. me, I'm not dropping my names trying to, trying to make myself look better. Like I'm not standing on their shoulders. I'm lucky enough to have them lifting me up. Yeah. And like that's, that's, that's the winery is 100% both in the generosity and kindness of all of these people that I mentioned as an outsider coming to California. If it wasn't for people like Tegan and Martha and all these people that I mentioned, I would be nothing. So for me, I hope to do the same. You know what I mean? I, I want to offer that same hey, opportunity. Total, so. total street yeah. cred to you yeah. for yeah. diving in and getting into the business like dirty. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people that don't. And so good for you for <sighs> Thank you. And, and seriously, cheers. To I appreciate that. Yeah. Cheers. But so, so Angelica was this thing based during prohibition. People developed a, a taste for it because it was the only wine they could drink. But it's very sweet, syrupy, very high alcohol. Because they pick it late, alcohol. right? Don't you pick it late? Doesn't, for... doesn't matter when you pick it. <laughs> in, not, in the end. Because it doesn't yeah. ferment. Yeah. It doesn't ferment. Right. You're just, you just pour the brandy in and it, stop, it don't ferment. immediately stops. Yeah. So it's it's at it's it's like whatever whatever the bricks is the bricks and we pick it at 22 bricks and we huh. we we basically took we foot crushed some of it put it into the tank um and then let it 24 hours on the skin because we wanted some color extraction and then we pulled down whatever we had into a mueller and then we got we actually he, he, Tegan was busting my balls about. He's like, "If you're gonna make it, you have to make your own brandy." I'm like, "Bro, that's what I was gonna. Fuck, I was gonna I, 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 how many jobs do I need? That's what I wanted to know. Where are you getting the brandy so from?" Here's the thing: we there's a flame tokai vineyard that we've been obsessed with called Old School. And Jesus can tell you a little bit about the vineyard because he was the one who connected with the guy who owns it. But I'd been Randy Caparos is like, "This is the vineyard. If you want to make flame tokai, you need to make this vineyard. It's like planted in what 18." 1800s it's yeah. mid 1800s or something yeah yeah it's the oldest vineyard in lodi i think and it's planted a flame tokai and we've been wanting to get fruit from it and and, uh, and the lady who owns it is like i sell all the fruit and randy told us that this guy makes brandy so can i introduce no him? no no yeah yeah he was yeah. like this guy makes brandy but um he only makes brandy out of it and you were gonna have to talk to him if he wants some fruit out of it uh, we called him a bunch of times and then he wouldn't reply. And <laughs> But then we need a brandy. Then, then we need a brandy. And, and then he and then he answered. <laughs> uh, no, uh, uh, amazing guy. Angel and, Singh, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So 
we did two experiments with their with our Angelica. So the first one was 24 hours on the skins. We took off the juice and then we added the the brandy from the flame toque. Um, 18, not, I mean 20%, 20% alcohol mm -hmm. at, at that point. And yeah. then the other, we did two barrels. That's the first one. The second one was 72 hours on the, on the skin. So a lot more color. Um, I don't know if you guys seen Angelica before, but it's very pale, like kind of strawish color. And then, and then hmm. this other version, which is ferment, it fermented, a, maybe two bricks, uh, down to 20 bricks. And then looks more like a, um, like an orangey. Yeah. Almost yeah. like a, almost like a men, almost like a like a manzanilla sherry, like it's got yeah. a yeah, like a little color to it. It's really interesting, and we, since we made these two different kinds, I mean, basically there's Tegan the Tegan way, which is the way we said quickly, and I don't want to sell out Tegan, especially if the TTB is listening. But by law, technically, you're supposed to let it start <laughs> fermenting before you ferment it, before you fortify it, okay. which is like again a, like an antiquated law that probably just because they. They, in their mind, in, in their mind, the ABC was hit in the right yeah. direction. It was yeah. all about taxes. You I'm sure. Yes, that. exactly. Yeah. So this other version was like the was was the proper version. But now, so now we have these two barrels. So we decided that we're gonna barrel, we're gonna bottle one, and then we're gonna start a Solera with the other. So we're gonna we're gonna do ten <laughs> ten vintages. Just fuck it. Let's just like lean right the fuck in and do it. So yeah, it's that's Jesus's project. He's he's the angel. It makes and, sense. Jesus is making the yeah, angelic. Jesus should be making angelic. <laughs> and, and at that yeah. and at, at that alcohol <laughs> level, you don't need a distilled spirits license right no because you take you have to take the wine to the, the distiller and right. then they fortify it and then you bring it back so it's a bond to bond you right. transfer it uh, and then you transfer it back right. yeah yeah so what do you do people drink this and like just enjoy it on its own or is it something you want to have with like meat and cheese or i mean it's like drinking a sweet sherry and a lot mm. of people make it actually we found out from i mean you guys should have randy on the show i mean that guy's like amazing yeah, i mean he's he if you want to talk about angelica he's the guy to talk to yeah i mean yeah well that was that was the thing about up the, in lodi would randy the, have randy do the round table right well and, i mean the the perlegoses were always you know talk yeah so but there's actually a lot of people that make it we found out with him because he brought a bunch to dinner one time. Like, like wine make like wineries that make, make it or just like people are making no, it at home. Wineries, huh? Yeah, and they're selling it somewhere. Presumably. Yeah, I mean the old time. I mean, that, well, so the, the the idea was that during prohibition they were drinking it, so they got a flavor for it. So after prohibition, it became a common. That's why they call it Angelica because it was like the it was like the the the, the communion wine. And people actually wanted it, and then it was very sought after for a long time. And I think obviously that crowd is slowly died right <laughs> i would imagine most people that were around for prohibition are not around anymore no but yeah there's probably some bottles though in some of those i know some of those old yeah, oh dude i found an old bottle that they actually was at was at bottle barn that barry has that i want to buy but i guess morgan had already set claim to it so morgan if you're listening <laughs> that, that let's drink that shit together but it's like from the i think it was from the 70s a bottle of angelica from like uh, i don't remember the producer but probably like spastiani or something yeah yeah i think it was I think, Spastiani. Yeah. yeah i think I, I think i've seen that floating through either morgan seller or his instagram or something yeah. yeah yeah all right so tell us about it so how did skull start skull started when i made um when i bought 10 tons of petite sera and mm -hmm. i was looking at the tank and being like i don't even like petite sera what the fuck did i do this for <laughs> <laughs> so i had this great idea that i was going to make a red blend uh and pax like that always works easy no, nothing easier than a red blend from california i'm like you're gonna see i'm gonna put a label on it so th actually the label came the girl who designed the label was ex-girlfriend of mine. She designed a couple of the labels for me, but I had it in the, just kind of Abe, Shona and I were going to make a can wine project together years ago. This was the, uh, the original idea. And then Abe and I didn't make it happen. Give him a ding. Yeah. And then Pax and I started talking <laughs> about re re resurrecting it, but this was the packaging I designed. So a skull in a can. can. Exactly. Okay. So that was the original idea. It was just going to be like can wine, super easy. 
you know, again, for me, the skull comes from, you know, my punk rock skateboarding past, because that was, you know, what, it was a symbol of it, right? That was, that was, you know, it's, it's always well, been a symbol. And there was like a, there's a, fam- well, no, there's a famous, too, right? Isn't there, a, I'm sorry, Sam. But it was like with the graffiti with the like graffiti artist with the skull on the cell phone. Oh, a skull phone. Yeah. Skull phone. Yeah. yeah that was like, mine as well. that's, yeah. that's what, that was like the shirt that you, I mean, when I, I always think wear of, that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like know, the early know, yeah. New York, something New York scene, right? Yeah. I don't know if that was an inspiration for, for Carolyn who did design the label or not. Okay. I mean, guys, there's similar vibes for sure. But I mean, I was already doing Skull for Renegade was, was the, was right, the right, logo right. as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, but I think, yeah. I, I, just a question for you. Yeah. So your your thing is your thing, but isn't there a common label that can be used for natural wine in more in France? Um, uh, you got to listen to you got to listen to the show that just dropped today with Jack Spore. That's not, the that's the halfway through that. Yeah. Well, you, you didn't we didn't get to his his pet net. That's the Brutal. The Brutal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that similar to doesn't that have a skull also? It, I imagine it yeah. can. It, it I think can. it can. Okay. Like the Brutal thing. Listen to the show. Br- okay. The Brutal thing is <laughs> it has to be experimental. I think maybe zero zero or, or at least like yeah, that yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it's like a crowdsource label. Yeah. Like yeah, you, okay. if you meet those criteria, you can, use it. You you can, can put Brutal on there yeah. and anything else that you want. Yeah. So I always thought that that was part part of your skull thing was part of that. No, so, no. I mean, again, it's just it, you know, for me, it's like I look at like what's what's this like right, right. on the back of your iPhone. Everybody knows what that is. Right. That's Apple. Yeah. And I thought, you know, it's so genius to have beautiful packaging that that becomes iconic. The Prisoner. I mean, honestly, The Prisoner is an inspiration for Skull in, in, in all intents and purposes. I mean, I'm not looking to sell it for $280 million. Not that I would be a postman, although I think I've somebody's on the phone. I think, yeah, I think enough times that they're not going to offer me any money. No. But, no. but that used to be when I was at Tribeca Grill, that was we put that wine by the glass. Like Mark Snyder bought that wine in from Angel Share when it was still cool. And it was like old vines, and it was and it was and it was polarizing Napa packaging. Valley exactly, it was fucking legit. Yeah. It, it wasn't a, a bulk wine project, and and you know that 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 packaging always inspired me to be like so punk rock and like have this kind of terrifying image and super simple idea behind it, and you know just kid. So that was kind of, that's kind of in fact the 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 actual DBA of the winery is California Skull Wine Company. Uh, which is very much a prisoner wine company, kind of like you know, like tip of the hat. But that, the, but that idea of of that all came kind of together from that. Like, cool. how do we make wine simple, approachable? California Appalachian, always a blend, always changing. It shouldn't you know, no information on the wine. You know, what's nothing more punk rock than just being like, drink it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's elk, it's wine. Yeah, good. Yeah, that's awesome. Wait, so how many SKUs do you have for that particular? Uh, Twenty one was the was was we we did in twenty one we did. Um, Red, white, pink, and sparkling. The sparkling is a forced carbonated, uh, a sparkling white version of the white wine we make. It's a white blend, right. but we do forced carb. Uh, basically, blowout, which Abe did for a while, was an inspiration on that for me because I thought, what an inexpensive way to make a sparkling wine delicious and people shit on forced carbonated. Why? We can sell right. wine so cheap and it's, you know, everything else we have. Modelo's fucking forced carbonated, White Claw. Everything else you put in your body is forced carbonated. Why should why should wine not be? Yeah. How about those LaCroix everybody's crushing? Exactly, yeah. exactly. And then the fifth skew, which we added this year, is is orange which we did uh, extended skin content Fermentino uh, that we did for two different batches. We did a pick, an early pick and a late pick. And the early pick, we did 30 days on the skins. And then the late pick, we did 10 days on the skins. And then we spaced that out where we were able to press off the 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 clusters together and then we had two free run components plus the press component super super it's so yummy i think it's like gonna be yeah 
Yeah, Super good. that's some winemaking logistical magic. Well, we had one intern. Uh, hey, Seuss and the uh, intern. No, Guy, yeah, Guy, Guy, who was our intern. Yeah, Guy owned. He made that wine for sure. He every day he just like without fail he'd get his bathing suit on and go for a swim. Just <laughs> all forty eights. It was it was like it was like six seven or eight forty eights lined up, and he would just jacuzzi it all day long and get the cap down. Oh, you gotta have photos of that. I'm sure we do someplace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. so how do you get that wine out there? It's like. People see a skull on it, but they maybe they're fans of Monorio, or they just like like how do, how do you how do you approach someone with that wine? Well, you know it's funny. It actually was the idea of a sales rep that that, that sells wine for me in in upstate New York that works with David Buller and Cameron. He, he he it was his idea, Cameron Mills. He I mean I got to give him props for that. He was like always like you should make orange wine and, and like do people drink orange wine still. I mean I'm from you know New York some two thousand circa two thousand and one. Yeah, orange wines were cool then, but I thought it, I thought they went away. But there, yeah. and it turns out the more people I've told, like I'm like, okay, I'll make a little skin contact. It's easy, we can do that. So we did skin contact, and Martha, you know, who's done skin contact, helped give me some guidance on how to do it. But um, we made it with the intent of it just being a couple hundred cases for Bowler, because Bowler, Gab Bowler, loves that shit, and he was like, yeah, we'll definitely take it. And now everywhere I've gone, I've talked about it to every distributor that I work with. Like, we want definitely want some. So I, it's already one of those things that I think is probably going to have some success. But it's like always that thing. Like I'm always. So crazy because I'm like, oh, this if it worked well for 200 cases, I should make 3,000 cases. Right. <laughs> and the next year, I'm going to be have 3,000 cases of fucking orange wine. Right. And they just are going to have to drink that for the rest of our lives. Like, <laughs> it's I, I need to understand balance. Balance has not been an easy thing for me to establish in my life. You could tell by looking at me. It's not. It's nothing I've done well with. Let's yeah. let's do the like uh, bio moment because you know, punk rock skater from Rochester, New York. How do you end up? you know, sawming at these prestigious restaurants in New York and then owning these amazing restaurants. And now you live in a trailer in Monterio and, and make skin contact for Medina. Like let's, let's what follow. Does that make sense? What's the question? No, no question. I just wanted to sum things up for everybody. No, let's, let's, um, let's talk. Let's go. At least let's get from like Rochester no, to no. Tribeca grill. Or Happy, you know? That's an easy, that's an okay. easy story. Yeah. So I, when, when I, when I, I, when I went to school, I grew up in a born again, Christian family that okay. did not drink. So um, I didn't have a lot of exposure to wine. So my my wine my wine exposure came late in life. I didn't come up with wine on the table, uh, but I worked in restaurants since I was fifteen. Busboy dishwasher back in back in um, uh, uh, Rochester, New York, at a place called Crescent Beach Hotel, and worked there for many years. And then after that, I got my first serving job at Chili's in Rochester while I was going to college. And then I started bartending, and that's when I kind of got a bug for booze. And uh, we used to whatever wine we had by the glass. I was like so interested. And we, I grew up in the Finger Lakes, basically. Right. So I started making my friends go on wine tours with me, which was just us drinking out of like communion cups at like shitbag wineries and getting hammered. <laughs> but I thought I was doing something that was like, you know, next level. So I got married to my college girlfriend uh, and then moved to Cleveland, Ohio for her to do her master's degree. And while I was there, we, uh, we uh, I, I got a job at this place called The Better Challenge. It was my first fine dining restaurant experience. I'd been working at a place called The Cooker. My GM recommended me for this job. He's like, you're going to be great at it. Never worked fine dining, never been around wine. But the chef owner had this kick-ass wine list. It was basically from his cellar. First growth and second growth Bordeaux, all kinds of super Tuscans, a lot of Rhone wines. And I noticed very quickly that Back then, we weren't pooling our tips. All the servers that were around me were making much more money than me. And I was like, what the fuck? And I realized very quickly they were just selling these expensive wines and making more money. So I was like, well, there's got to be something in this. Right. So 100% my initial desire to learn about wine was out of greed. Yeah. And there was a guy who worked with me, a kid named Nathan Kendall, who actually eventually became a senior editor of Wine Spectator. Amazing story. He was... Uh, 
he's a journalist, but living in Cleveland, Ohio, where he grew up, his dad was super into wine and he kind of like turned me on to wine. And he told me to get Kevin's Early's Windows on the World, which is my first wine book. That, that and book yeah. every, everybody, I think. Yeah. And so that was what got me out. Dig, dig him up. <laughs> and so I learned about wine in that capacity. And then when I moved to New York, my ex-wife was uh, is an opera singer and she wanted to move on with her career there. So, so we moved to New York, logical movement. And uh, the chef and owner- the opera scene in New York is yeah. better than Cleveland? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so the chef owner, Paul Manillo, he was like, you should check out Tribeca Grill. David Gordon, who's a wine director there, is on the Continental Congress of, of Chefs and Sommeliers with me. He'd be the person to talk to about a job. So David Gordon interviewed me, gave me a job as a server. And I basically spent every minute I wasn't on the floor in the cellar working. Yoshi Takamura was a sommelier side by side with me there. We worked together in the, in the four years. I learned so much. I mean, I, I spent a year as a server. David promoted me to sommelier um, after the year, first year. And then I was working on the floor as a floor som. And then from there, Tim Kopeck recruited me to work at Veritas. And then Gilt was the next restaurant, which I was the wine director at at the New York Palace Hotel. When that closed, I opened Pearl and Ash. And now we're mm -hmm. caught up. Yeah. Now, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So now you've, you've, you've mentioned Martha's name a lot. So do you want to just tell us a little bit about your relationship with her and how you got interested in her wines and then how you, I mean, obviously you guys are friends. Yeah. Yeah. Well, honestly it was, it was the sommeliers that worked for me who were, I was, I, the, my restaurants only, we, there were only female sommeliers that worked for me. And it was, it was, it was not necessarily by design, but for sure diversifying our community that's chock full of white dudes has always been a desire for me because I feel like, you know, it's like, well, it's kind of, it's such a, it's not a good look. And, and also it's, it's, it's not a nice thing to do as far as the world of, of, of wine that we live in. It's so, and it's they're so, so disarming. Like when, when a female psalm comes to a table too, it's a much different experience than, than, than it. And I mean, I used to have to go to tables when Kim Precocian, who was my, who was my psalm, my first yeah. And she was red. Yeah. And yeah. she turned, she basically was the one who created, continued to create all of these amazing female psalms that worked under her and, and with, at our restaurants. But she used to get people that wouldn't, we'd be like, no, I want to talk to the sommelier. And I would be like, and she'd be like, they want to talk to you. I'm like, I would like, well, what the fuck's the problem? Yeah. We want to see the sommelier. I'm like, you were talking to her. I, goodbye. I got to go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fucking busy running a restaurant. This person knows more about wine, the wine list than I do. Yeah. And if you don't like it, I'm going to throw you the fuck out. No, I didn't go that far, but I should have. <laughs> Thought about it. Yeah. But so that, that, so Martha, they loved Martha's wines. And it was with Kim that served me my first Martha Stewart wine. And, and, and I was super impressed. And this is, I mean, she was probably just still working at Brock at the time. Yeah. Uh, and so then I met her when we did, the time that we actually connected was when the wildfires happened. We started, a, a, we did a, packs myself oh, you guys did that like whole psalm cares yeah yeah, so, yeah yeah we started a charity thing basically right. and a bunch of psalms pouring people's wines by the glass and the palais we did uh the welcome dinner in conjunction with this charity it's called the charity was called winemakers and sommeliers for california wildfire relief we really thought that one through yeah. <laughs> just rolls off i the think we own the website still yeah. but i did it with with pax and my ex-girlfriend at the time sarah morganster and we started we started this thing together and we raised a quarter of a million dollars in one go and uh, it was pretty great yeah oh no yeah. i'm just i'm just bell yeah. just went off okay right. yeah yeah, we're all no, gonna get we're all gonna Sarah. get in a little trouble with Sarah. this one, I think. Oh, oh yeah, she, yeah. We did it for a few years. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that was, um, the, that was the girl that you chased to California. That was the girl right? that I chased yeah. to California. Yeah. Yes, and you that event, not, eventually broke were, my heart. You weren't yeah, you paying attention. <laughs> it all checks out. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't catch that one. But it's okay. But so Martha. Yeah. So I, I met Martha through all this. But then because the she was kind of part of that whole little 
Pax's scene that he had over there. Well, she there. makes wine with us there. Right. So it's me. It was back like in the, the day. Get ready little, to ding your glass. I'm going to name a bunch of people. It's the coolest little incubation. When I first started working there, yeah, it was, it right. was, there was eight of us, seven of us. Yeah. It was myself, yeah. Carlo Mondavi, who makes rain. Yeah. Scott Schultz makes Jolie Laid. Yep. Martha Stone from Martha Stone Wines. Yeah. Pax Malley, as you know. Yeah. Rosalind Menards makes Emmy. Oh, yeah. Jason Rupert making Ardour. Yeah. That was the seven of us that were that were all making wine yeah. in 2018. It was a pretty magical time. Sounds like a fun place. It was great. We, yeah. There was a lot of toes being stepped on and a lot of arguments unnecessarily happening. I think that's what finally made Scott be like, I have to get the fuck out of here. It's too many like people. And I mean, he's in a much better place working up in Healdsburg with Baron now. But um. But yeah, it was amazing for me. Can you imagine my first vintage was with all those people yeah. and all wow. different wine styles? I mean, you know, totally. it's like, it's like all those varieties. It's crazy. The, yeah. I mean, the interns. All those opinions. Yeah. <laughs> all those egos. <laughs> oh, wine yeah. makers. <laughs> no, all they're that actually yeast. pretty. What, yeah, what'll make yeah. the egos better? Bring a sawman to all these yeah, wine exactly. makers. <laughs> yeah, so true. But I learned, I mean, I continue. I mean, it's and it's and it's amazing how it, it's, it, I mean, shout out to, to Rosalind who does actually make all this shit work because right, like to have all these. runs that place. For right? sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it Paxes for sure. But I mean, yeah. you know, the assistant winemaker, if you want to ding some more, look at what Pax has done with the assistant winemaker trajectory of that rat winery. The first one was Duncan from Arno Roberts. Yeah. yeah. Second one was Ryan Glad from Rhyme. Yeah. Third one, Scott Schultz from Jolie Lane. Yeah. Then Jamie Motley from Jamie Motley Wines. Not, then and Rosalind. I mean, you kind of if you get that job, you kind of almost have guaranteed of like a like a hip brand right. that's going to launch. And it's because of the hard work of all these other people right. and pa and Pax's generosity, kindness, and willingness to share his space. He doesn't need to do that. He can make all the wine he needs in that space and not let any of us in there. Yeah. But I think he really likes having us around. And it's it's a bunch of creative minds. I mean, Jesus can attest. The interns don't want to leave. We have three interns that are trying to come back. Right? Isn't this year? Yeah. 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 It's wild and for them to get, and it's a long fucking harvest. Dude, we start, Martha brings in like um, Chardonnay that she makes for a Verjou project. I think like, and like the second week of September or no, the second week of, of, of August, yeah. of August. And we don't stop until Pax brings in the last Syrah the second week of November. It's, it's yeah. the fucking longest internship yeah. you could possibly go. And they get crushed. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Piquette. Oh, yeah. When did you have your first <laughs> one, and why did you decide that you wanted to get in on that game? So the first Piquette I had was served to me by, uh, my, by I'll ding for, Miguel de Leon from Pinch Chinese, and he has a good collection of them. He served me one from Todd, Todd Cavello. Todd Cavello is the OG, right? He's friend, brought, of the, friend of the body. He's been on the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, brought, he brought Piquette to, to, the, to the country. I mean, it was being made in France forever, but he made his first finish, I think, 16 or 17 for Wild Ark, which I tasted with Ryan Glab at... at Mission at Pinch Chinese, and I was in both Brian and I were like, "Fuck, we should make this. This is so cool." And uh, I, my first vintage was nineteen. I made a little batch of uh, which then it was Columbard Chardonnay and Shannon, and I froze some of my French Columbard juice in a keg to use as my dosage to re-ferment it before I bottled it. And it was pretty ratchet. The the keg froze in the freezer in the tasting room, overflowed. Pax almost fucking killed me. Juice was everywhere. Fruit <laughs> flies everywhere. He was like. He, man, he was not happy with me. So I did that in 19, I made 60 cases and it became very popular. And it, at the time, I think not many people were making it. And now a lot of people make it. And I make four different SKUs. I've grown to start making now seasonal, which we fruit like Lambic beers. So it's the Piquette project is the third project that I do. And that is four different Piquettes, all seasonally released. 
all with a different kind of riff on the word piquette. So the spring wine is called Pinkette. That was this year. It was Trousseau Gris and Pinot Gris that I fruited with raspberry, very much an homage to Cantillon Rosé de Gambrinus. Uh, spring wine, the summer wine is Blanquette, which is Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blanc that I fruit with lime, like salty margarita kind of vibes. Freaking delicious. Yeah. Dangerously delicious. It's super, yeah, yeah. 7% alcohol. You can take it down easy. Yeah. Orangette, which is the fall wine, which is a scented skin contact Vermentino that I fruit with uh, apricot. And then Rougette is the winter wine, which is Zin, Petit Sirah, and Sanjo that I fruit with blackberry. Okay. We hope to do blackberries from the coast fresh this year. If I can get the interns to put some go, gloves on and risk their life. <laughs> Wait, where are these available? You have to go the through. are all just wholesale, just through distributors. I, I, okay. it, selling $20 wine on the internet, it doesn't work. And plus, it's so yeah. shitty to like pack that shit up and sell at UPS. If you want to buy my wine, go to your local distributor retailer and ask them to buy them. Right. It's way easier for me. It's already in your state. Like right. it's way better for all of us and buying locally is better anyway. I mean, I just, yeah. I'm kind of anti DTC. I'm anti wine club. And, and I think if you're making really high end exclusive stuff, it makes sense. But for somebody like me, even though it inevitably could mean more money to the bank account, it's way better to keep the community happier and to, yeah. to keep my distribution chain working and to keep retail shops in business. You know, those people saved us during the pandemic. Yeah. They were, they were the reason all of us were able to stay in business because they were selling fuck tons of wine to people in a time where they didn't know if they were going to get sick or not. Yeah. So, you know, no, that's how I yeah. got to know your wines was, was from Barry um, oh, at yeah. Bottle Barn. Oh, it was like I could buy the French Colombard, Bar, the White Zen, and Martha, same thing, yeah. got her wines. Um, and when, when you're looking for something different or interesting that you've never seen before, then it was cool. Yeah. Yeah, and especially at a price point where my wife lets me walk in with a $100 bill. And then whatever I can leave with is what I get to take Which is home. really how we should all deal with the bottle <laughs> barn. Not for Barry's sake, but for our own sake. Exactly. Because yeah. it can be dangerous yeah. in there. James Joyner knows. <laughs> yeah. As soon as I found out about the back room, I knew I was in fucking oh, trouble. Oh, yeah. don't yeah. even mention yeah. the back room. No, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. and, they, and you felt like you couldn't get out. Yeah. yeah. Smart. Smart. <laughs> and, and I never drink them. <laughs> <laughs> all right so what's what what grapes did you let drop off you said you dropped off you're not doing the white zin not making white zin we, we make we make direct, direct to press zinfandel for rosé now right but it for, it's for skull pink and that's cool because the label goes from uh, white to pink when it's cold like the Coors Light Mountains right. it's amazing how much better that sells than a wine that I put dry white zinfandel on I can just <laughs> put a fucking label that changes colors and everybody wants it oh my god yeah Okay. Yeah. Uh, French Colombard. No, I'm not interest. making anymore. No. Well, I want to make it. We're hoping we're, we're trying to find some in Lodi. Actually, Nico is going to plant some in his vineyard because it is a varietal that's important to Lodi, but it's yeah. actually become harder to find. The vineyard I was working with, it was lucky. Martha and, and Rosalind were kind enough to give me a peel off a little fruit for me the first few times I made it and I loved making it. And I think Jesus wanted, and I want to make it, but we haven't been able to find a vineyard and we'd really like to find one in Lodi. So we're going to plant some in Nico's vineyard. Nico, we brought, I got actually snuck some cuttings back of Palo Verga from Berlodo that Nico is planting in his vineyard as well. So we're, we're, we're basically using a little part quadrant of the vineyard that we're starting to use uh, as a, as a kind of a trial ground for new stuff. Cause you know, Nico wants to do fun shit too. He doesn't, yeah. he doesn't want to look at these same vines that he's been looking at all these years. Yeah. So in our last episode, we heard stories of sneaking cuttings from Petrus, uh, strapped to people's forearms and yeah. biceps and then and then somebody who worked in that winery wanted going back to south africa took the cuttings of that merlot and weaved them into wreaths yeah put red ribbons on them yeah and just shipped Christmas them gifts. shipped yeah. them shipped them right home <laughs> yep so without you know uh 
divulging too much yourself. too yeah, much yeah, yeah, self-incrimination yeah, yeah. how'd you get these cuttings in? there there's there like i think you made a very you talked about a very you talked about a th- situation that you can do there's a lot of art fairs in <laughs> france okay you can find a lot of things made from wood yeah 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 all right okay <laughs> gift for my girlfriend yes <laughs> yes whether or not she exists yes. there's no there is no girlfriend there is no girlfriend she goes to another school you don't know her <laughs> yeah i have a girlfriend in niagara falls yeah exactly <laughs> i'm glad you guys do that joke I thought that was a very specific thing to where I grew up, but <laughs> yeah. All right. What kind of, what varietals do you want to play around with that you haven't had a chance to? Um, this year we're going to make, well, so we made Mencia. The Jesus, Jesus has been really pivotal and because he grew up in Lodi, he moved, when did you move to Lodi? Um, you uh, grew up in Lodi. I, okay. I mean, I was born in okay. Mexico actually. Okay. And then I, <laughs> I moved to Lodi when I was 15. Okay. Uh, and then, I mean, I, barely even paid attention to the vines right. just dry they're everywhere yeah so i barely even like knew that they were i never really understood that hidden in plain sight yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh and then just it's like the railroad tracks and then as soon as like that thing clicked uh, and i was like that's cool what is that that's cool what is that some of the older vines yeah. and and some of the 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 cool vineyards in lodi and then uh just getting to know people after working in the industry and then we met ron silva uh, great farmer, Portuguese, Portuguese decency, uh, and yeah, and then he has a, a bunch of cool varietals that so, we got yeah. to work on. So we so every year, Jesus and I have agreed we're going to make a white and a red varietal we haven't made before. Cool, uh, just to continue to grow. Nice. Uh, and what did we do in twenty two? Uh, last year we did Torontes, which was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this next year we're trying to do some some uh, Malbec. Yeah, um, we also what else did we make in twenty two? We're about to bottle um, it. We're about to bottle the red, it. the red grape, Mencia. Mencia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, we. It, it's 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 a Ron Ron Silva, the this guy who 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 has this vineyard. He's just and I went and looked at the vineyard. He gave us a list of all the grapes he had, and we looked. And I was told, I said, "What do you want to make?" He says, I'm, I'm, "I want this. It's a collaboration. You know what I mean? Like right. he like he's my employee, but he's also my friend, and he's a colleague, and he's someone that I that I look to as someone that can sharpen me and, and keep Monterio better. So I was like, "What do we, What do you want to make?" And he wanted to make Torontas. He wanted to make Mencia, and our mission vineyard got fucked with the frost this year. Mm-hmm. So we we normally wouldn't want to add, add a lot of extra skews, but we're only going to be making like 250 cases of mission. So now this Mencia mm-hmm. turned out to be great. Yeah. And so we're bottling on its own. And uh, the white, this is great, good, but it's just going to be part of the Skull White. It's always, we, we, we look at this education for us as the opportunity to make something new and then move on unless it sticks and then continue to make it. But it gives us the, you know, it gives, he's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and where is Mencia, where's where Mencia from? Like, what is its background? <laughs> it's a Spanish grape. Yeah. yeah. Canary yeah. Islands and yeah, and elsewhere, right? Yeah. 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 Um, and then, I mean, we haven't really had a lot of whole cluster Mencia. And so that's why we, we've kind of followed the same Syrah protocol for that Mencia. So yeah. I think sure. it tastes yeah. fairly different. Um, yeah, yeah, what's your we, frame of reference for it? Because like with the mission, you could get like paella, like some yeah. Mexican. Well, there's Mencia coming. I mean, like Envenati, like all, plenty of those guys are making Mencia <clears throat> in Canary Islands and in Spain. There's, right. There there are examples of it. And right. Raj Parr started making it at Fallon Farms. So mm. didn't ding him. Yeah, I didn't yeah, say his yeah, name yet. Raj. <laughs> it's hard to you keep up drop, with me. Drop your fingers are so point. tired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have a bruise on my fingernail after this one. <laughs> but he makes it. And I so we, we taste it is. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think... 
I don't know. I mean, it was, we looked at the grape list. I was yeah. like, fuck, who, which one does? I mean, all I know of that is from Madeira. So why not try and make it? Yeah. Like, what? There's there's no harm in I mean, We're talking about one and two tons. It's not like. I, I mean, that's what I love about it, though. It's not like, oh, yeah, you know what? I've wanted to work for this grape, these grapes for years or anything. It's let's try it and let's see what we can do with it. And yeah. then you're doing it your style. And so the frame of reference is how it turns out, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and it was the thing with the Mencia was a surprise. I mean, I was, you know, Jesus, now when I'm, I'm on the road, you know, what I do for the winery is I'm there for harvest, making the wine side by side with all these people. Uh, and then I'm there for bottlings and, and I fly back to check in every now and again. But the majority of my time is spent on the road doing sales because I do work in the wholesale realm. So Jesus is literally taking over as seller master and, and you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and seller and being running the seller and also, and also, you know, taking making sure that everything is in line as we go through so we have conversations about where the wines are at what needs to happen but you know he he definitely yeah he, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. but but you know like we reached out about them and see them and he was getting a little reductive and he, he, i was like what do you want to do he's like i don't know let's rack and return i'm like yeah great do it and uh so you know it's it's it, we're figuring it out together yeah 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 just understanding what to do with when it comes to that and uh i know that patrick's on the road most of the time but we kind of just have to go by by taste um so yeah it was getting a little reductive we tasted the lease the lease was getting a little going a little sour so it was time to 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 rock and return so yeah. that's what we did and yeah i think it, it's in tank it's great it's gonna get bottled really yeah we just, we just put it in a tank it's really good yeah yeah <laughs> pretty excited actually <laughs> so so four or five years now on the road selling these wines and you know basically changing sides of the table from what you'd been on for your whole career which is kind of cool i'm sorry to interrupt yeah, 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 you, but I, but, it, but it's kind of cool when you're on one side of that and then you get to be on the other side because you kind of know what you appreciated when people would come in and sell you wines and you kind of can cut through some of the bullshit right i mean dude 100 i have an advantage over anybody else making wine in, yeah. in, in the yeah. world. i mean i know i know how to talk to sommeliers i know how to do this i can know how to right. talk to, i know how to, talk to consumers there are a lot of great winemakers in california yeah. some of them don't know how to talk to their right. like employees let alone let alone right. to people who are going to buy their wine the best they're best staying in the cellar but you can't do that in this day and age yeah. if you're going to make if you're going to make wine and you're going to create something it's great you can be creative and make the best product in the world but it's fucking competitive yeah. you have to be out there and you have to actually you either have to be connecting with consumers directly or you need to be out there talking to gatekeepers whether we like that they exist or not they exist and now they're all different than they were when i i mean it's not even like i can lean on the friends that i had to buy my wines i don't i every market i go to different jobs now completely different yeah. all of them are all of them are on, on in the wholesale line yeah, world yeah. now essentially so but i mean knowing how to be kind to people and knowing how to talk to people about wine and sharing your excitement about it it's really as simple as that yeah. and i mean for me i love getting in front of consumers i love being in a room you know this is the first year i waited i waited this many years before i would do a winemaker dinner because i wanted to be able to actually call myself a winemaker i think that it's you know i i'm as much as pax will if pax was here he would break my balls and you know he, he likes to do that because i still have a lot to learn but you know what defines a winemaker you know that's the question as well so there's a lot of layers to doing all of this job and you know I'm, the chemistry of wine i get better and better and better at doing but inevitably every 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 harvest every every vintage every ferment there's a question for pax who's got 25 years and why wouldn't i ask him yeah. those questions yeah. but but i think one of the ways that you know being able to talk about what you're doing and and the reason you're doing it just like we are right now and talking to consumers about it that's so exciting for me yeah. so i waited until this year this is the first year also there's a global pandemic as we all remember that's kept me from getting in rooms in front of people talking to them about wine but this has been the real experience and for me i'm on tour basically doing winemaker dinners i've 
this insisted that every distributor I'm working with sets me up with a with a with a restaurant so that I can get in front of consumers because that's really the only way to get spread the word. Talking to gatekeepers, talking to sommeliers, talking to merchants, yeah, that's going to help. But they're not there every day talking to the consumers themselves. And unless I'm doing staff trainings at all these restaurants that are selling my wines, I need to be on the ground talking to the people that are drinking them while they're drinking them. Yeah, and you know that's sharing the do. story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You basically asked my question better than I did was going to. Oh, cool. Well, so. it, it's interesting. I, I love that I get to represent you sometimes going to talk to people because you know what? You, some people are like, oh, how can I make money off of this wine? And some people just want to know how can I sell it with the story of the wine? Or the, Everyone has a different approach to yep. selling wine. So, but, if, but if you have that toolbox and, and then you meet someone, you can be like, oh, okay, I understand what they're asking. You're like, okay, we can sell you this for $15 a bottle. You can sell it for... $18 a glass. You can look good to your boss, but also your customer is going to be happy because it's a kick-ass wine. Um, you can actually talk that language a yeah. little bit when when sometimes people come in and they're like, oh, yeah, I bought a vineyard and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, okay, great. Yeah. 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 No, it's true. It's, I mean, yeah. that, you're nailed it. Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah. That's that's the that's the thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Brian, you've been on the other side now for, has it been a year to say you've been on the other side of the- Four months. Has it only been four months? It feels like a year. Like a year <laughs> <laughs> to Sam, it feels like a year. Right. But four months. I mean, yeah. um, what do you think? You're never look back, right? Oh no, this is great. I mean, who? <laughs> it's finding the right place, though, Bart. It's it, no, you know. I know. If you yeah. were at a said winery down the street, you might not be quite. As I wouldn't happy have taken the job. It. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's also fun. I mean, what a cool time to travel in this country. I think post. What do we call it? Post vaccine? I don't want to say post pandemic and make anybody upset, but uh, but I, I, it's it's <laughs> it's you know it's 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 cool to see all these like chefs and sommeliers and, and other people that have gone back to their hometowns and are doing cool shit. Like I never thought I'd be talking about talking about places like you know Asheville, North Carolina, or Wilmington, North Carolina, or Jacksonville, Florida, where cool shit is happening. There are cool restaurants and cool retail shops, and people are drinking natural wines, and and there's a lot of interest that I don't think was in these areas. Shit, so you're wearing a Guantanamo's shirt I mean, right dude, now. Dude, my homie, like, yeah. 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 <laughs> Whoever thought great pizza would be in Lodi, what the right, fuck? Right, like the best pizza in California right now is in freaking Lodi, who knew? <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty wild, yeah. <laughs> That's, it's so true. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, my, 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 I mean now I've developed... Google Docs with lists of because people reach out when they see on like social media that I'm at all these places. Like, where should I go here? And now I've like I have lists for almost every city. I mean, it's the coolest thing. Like, you know, getting great tacos in random places or that doesn't happen actually. There's really not any good tacos. That's you come tech. back to California. There's, no, there's only good tech, tacos in Texas and in California. I'll be honest. Every time somebody tries to make me a taco joint like in Florida, I'm like, oh cool, this will be great. <laughs> More fish tacos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Big old mayonnaise sauce. Yeah, <laughs> God. But the pendulum always swings. That's the thing is what I find is cool because I'm older now is that the pendulum always swings. You get, it seems like the wine industry swings towards corporate and then it sort of swings back and everything breaks up and then separates a little bit. And then it, I'm sure it'll swing back the other way. So I think right now is an exciting time to be in the wine business because people are experimental. People are excited about things. People want to, um, experience different things. They want to know who's making their wine, who's growing the grapes. It's like it's a it's a cool atmosphere right it's now. It's true. It yeah. matters. You're right. And I, you yeah. know, I think that's an old. That's like you said. The pendulum was that way. I mean, how did Mondavi and all these old school guys build these brands? I think in an old fashioned way. And we're in hand, hand to hand. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 
And I, I mean, that's that's the that's the model behind all of this, not just you know in that third element of all of this. Whether Monterio, I always say it's three things. It'd be three uh, three things we stand on: naturally made wines, you know, old old school uh, ideals, and great value. And you know, like making thirteen point one percent alcohol Zinfandel from Lodi. Uh, that's you know aged in old wood and fermented in stainless steel. I don't think it's such a far cry, you know, uh, back in the '60s. And you know, it seems crazy now. People think I'm nuts when I do it, and I have to answer old timers that buy wine in some random wine shop in like you know Texas are like, "You can't make Zinfandel that's 13 alcohol." I'm like, "Well, you got it in your glass, bro. It seems like yeah. you're enjoying it." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there were some brands that built themselves on making those wines. You know, I mean, the, the old time. Louis Martini wines. I have tons of those wines from the '60s. Yeah. I drink them all the time. They're fucking low in alcohol, and they're way more alive than. No offense, but like 1994 Turley's in, you know, which I know Tegan or Aaron did not make, so I can throw shade. Yeah. Chateau Monalena's <laughs> Infidels from the early 70s. And you know, it was funny. I talked to I talked to Kelly White about about whole clusters in and who was doing it as well. Yes, get her. Uh, and she was like, Chateau Monalena didn't have a distemmer until 91. Wow. So all those Zins and even Cabernets back then, which was another proof of, proof of concept. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I it's it's you know people people think it's wild. I mean, I think that. There are more and more of this kind of stuff happening, and I could drop a bunch of more names about it. young producers that are doing the same shit that we're doing, and 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 doing it just as well, if not better. And you know, it's proof of concept. And I and I'm not trying to say like down with the old dogs or the Parkerites or any of that shit, but it's like like you said, the pendulum swings, and who knows? Maybe in maybe in 10, 20 years, there'll be a new wine critic that's dictating that we should be drinking 16% alcohol, 100% new woods, and or an AI bot. Yeah, <laughs> Chat GPT, right? Two hundred percent oak. Yeah, put it back in new barrels. Rack R and return into new RP six point <laughs> Let's hope not. Right? Yeah, can they crush the soul out of wine anymore? But, so I, I do want to ask my question though. Please, what do you? What have you learned in these last four years, five years, out selling your wine on the market that you wish you had known? when you were buying wine for these restaurants? Not to make ruby red. <laughs> <laughs> oh Which was the first wine I made. Yeah, that's no, honestly, I, I mean, I think like, I don't know that I've learned, I don't know if being on the road has taught me as much as as as, as being in the cellar. Mm. I think that a lot of, the, not, not saying that I knew it all on the road already. I think that you know, I'm learning a lot about this younger generation is probably one thing, but it's cool to learn about them as a whole because they're very interesting version of, of of this country right they're way they're 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 interested yeah, please in different share things. because well, well, we're they're, all they're, curious they're they're not, they're not interested they're, they're you know what i mean a lot of them there's a whole new set of people buying wine that don't have wine experience that yeah. are interested in wine but in a much more kind of innocent way yeah. so and also not being you're not being able to reference you know our idols is something that we have to consider during all of this. So I used to drop names like Gone On and, and Alamon and all this sort of stuff, but these people have never even had those wines. Or they, can't, DRC. they can't get those wines of course. anymore. Right? They're like French guy, French guy. Exactly, exactly. Don't care, don't care. <laughs> you know, tell me more about the vineyard practices. And I right. think that Martha's, again, going back to her influence on me, the one thing she's always taught me, you know, not being dogmatic about the winemaking because it is the thing, right? We are at this precipice where natural wine, it's such a question. And like being judged by some people, whether they're peers or colleagues or whatever, about what you do in the cellar and secretly behind doors. And I'm very transparent about everything I do. If you want to ask me about any of the procedure on any of these wines, sulfur ads, whatever, I'll happily tell you. It's the most boring fucking conversation ever. But Martha was always like, you know, I try to focus more on what I'm doing in the vineyard and why, why that's important, Patrick. And I think I would, 
it all concentrate on that. And so I think that that's great advice because, because I, because I do, I do get stressed when I get better at it this sulfur. show. You know, the idea of adding sulfur is, is scary, is scary sometimes because I'm afraid who am I going to piss off? Is some hip Oakland wine shop going to buy my wine now if they know I put, you know, 30 parts per million of, of sulfur in my wine? And I used to lose sleep over it. And now I could give a fuck less yeah. because I'm making way better wines than I was when I was trying to be zero, zero. Yeah. Yeah. I got to give that a ting. <laughs> I don't know if the ting is good or bad. I haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> it, it is, it's good. No, it's good. It's good. I mean, you know, you're on the, the track of what we talk about on good. the show all the time, which yeah. is it, the wine is the vineyard. The wine is the vineyard. Yeah. And what happens in the cellar is a function of what that vintage is, what's going on, you know, like in the atmosphere, you have to just make good wine. Yeah. You, you can't like follow some formula, whether it's the Davis Fresno formula of, you know, hundred parts per million of this and 200 parts and, or the zero zero because reality pushes those things to make the wine that you have to make. It's so true. Right? So yeah. it, it's the vineyard. Well said. The vineyard is what matters. I well mean, said. Yeah. 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 And if you don't add sulfur for the matter of just not adding it, then maybe that's not the right decision. Mm. For right. sure not. I mean, especially when you see what comes out the other end of it. I mean, right. you know, I mean, I mean, you know, it's it's you know, and I have a lot. I mean, you know, like like Evan Ludowski is a very good friend, and I think he does an amazing job of sticking to his guns, and he makes very good wines. And yeah. I think Evan is, you know, but I, but I think it's because Evan takes the time to to care for those ferments to make sure you have to. And you can't make a lot of wine. You have to be yeah. heads up. You can't make a lot of wine. Yeah, right. and Evan and makes a tiny amount. Heads up on it. You for have sure. to, you know, be attentive because if you just go, oh, it's just it is what it is, yeah. then you miss the point. Yeah. So. And I think that, I mean, for me, that I can only think of a few people like, like that are doing zero, zero. Like, like, honestly, like Jason Rupert was, as we talked about earlier, he, he does it with our door. Evan does as well, but I'm, I always have a hard time really thinking of other, you know, even, even, even for me, the thing that tilted my scales is when I started thinking about people like Foyard and LaPierre, you know, and gone on and other producers that I know when I visited that, that they don't that, have a glass big enough to ding those names. No, right. I mean, but I mean, yeah, right. Yeah. You need a Liberty Bell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, but, they, but again, you know, when I look at my history of being a Somali and traveling so much, when I was taking these notes and asking these questions, I never really thought about why the fuck I did. I never looked back at any of that stuff. Right. But now that I'm actually making wine, I'm like, they were the most important visits of my life. And making feeling comfortable knowing that that there is a small amount of sulfur going into the wines that were my idols, it made me all of a sudden take a moment where I was like, okay, I need to like rethink this. Mm. Why am I? Why am I not? Why am I feeling like I need to be zero zero? And I was because I was feeling pressure from people who I thought were I wanted their approval. Yeah. And then I've realized now that I could give a fuck about their opinion about what, what I'm doing. They're not paying my bills. They're not concerned with me. They didn't even want to lift me up. They wanted to punch me down. And that's a fucked up thing to be true, to be why, like what, what a twisted, like kind of, you know, um, what's what Stockholm syndrome <laughs> to have that, that I'm being, that I, you know, I, that I, that I'm being held to the people don't even make fucking wine. Right. Pax right. is always right. like, like, what wine did they make Patrick? Right. They're yeah. listening <laughs> to what they're telling you about what you need to do. And 100%. it's like exactly real, like fuck them. Yeah. And I'm sorry if they're listening, but fuck you. <laughs> and you know what the best part about your wines are? Whenever I take a sip, I want another sip. Thank you, man. That's that's that's, that's money I could be paid. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, uh, uh, that's my idea of a great wine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Should, should nice. we have it? Not, not, I mean, Sam. Nice. Oh yeah, I got Patrick coming in on Friday. Like, like, just kind of like, <laughs> like, oh, hey, Patrick Capiello, <laughs> yeah. you heard of him? And then, and then here we are, and it's like, wow, yeah. I mean, dude, this is an honor. I, I mean, I, I, I knew, I knew about the podcast, and, and I mean, it's like I think the, everyone that I talked to the most listened 
as far as like when when I talk to people about things that they listen to, because I'm on the road all the time right. listening to shit, and people are always referencing the podcast across the country. So congratulations, number one wine for podcast for me, in the world. Is that true? I'm so not surprised. sure. Yeah, we're like, yeah, top, I mean, nobody, but it's top but it's, five. But it's, but it's you guys are obviously making waves, which is yeah. which is great. So thank you for fighting the good fight, and thank. And cool. I'm sorry that it took me so long to be on here. I appreciate. I well, appreciate we, had you to, me. we had to catch you on yeah. one of these moments right. that you when were I was on the ground. Yeah, yeah. I'm literally in town for one more week, so yeah. Um, you want to give the deets just if people want to reach out and buy wine? Uh, I would say reach That's out how to the your, young kids. Reach say out, the, reach, yeah. I would reach out to the distributor, man. I mean, you can contact me, <laughs> okay, but but cool. like I'm on, I'm on Instagram, but but uh, I would say you know contact your retailer and your and your distributor. There's no DTC on any of these, right? I have a website, monoreosellers.com has okay. the wines, but just the, just a few of them, and and I yeah I, I'm happy to sell them. It's just and how like many states are you in? Thirty states. Uh, Quebec, Ontario, um, UK, Australia, about to open Japan with Yoshi. Cool. Uh, yeah, so yeah, a fair amount. Yeah, pretty much everywhere on the uh, anywhere that touches water, <laughs> I'm selling wines in, and, and then the Midwest, which touches water too. Yeah, I don't think there's a state, and then yeah, not much in, in the side, the middle of the country yet. I'm working my way slowly, working my way into the middle of the country. Well, and shout out some of the you, you mentioned Bowler, shout out some of the distributors that you're working Kellogg with. selections. Uh, you know, just Stephanie Kellogg, a boss bitch, like in, in the Carolinas, she's doing amazing wine. Al Alchemy of the Spirit. Oh man, I'm gonna fucking forget people and I'm gonna get in trouble. Alchemy of the Spirit in Florida, a root rootstock in in uh in in, in uh, texas i just signed with uh aoc in tennessee uh up in massachusetts i'm with i'm with uh charles river wine company um uh charles reeve california, california. I'm, I'm, I'm with uh, with uh um, grand cru selections uh oh wait, look at this yeah he, 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 uh, assistant winemaker uh, coming uh, through arkansas wine and coming spirits same stem in arizona <laughs> one of those google docs um, right yeah uh reeve gauche oh reeve gauche which is a carson uh, um a carson and Carson's company in in, in Georgia, uh, uncorked in New Orleans. Shout out to David Kenny, the mother man. Uh, Libation Project in 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 Minneapolis, in Minnesota. Uh, um, Wine Trends in Ohio. Uh, Heirloom Imports in in, in Ontario. Uh, Dukov in in um, uh, Montreal. Uh, what am I forgetting? Left Bank in in uh, in Wisconsin. Yeah, uh, yeah, all awesome, all awesome people. Right. I'm very lucky. I mean, I they're they're all like medium sized distributors that are all pretty family run and all with like minded wineries. I mean, Martha and I are in so many portfolios together, which people would always be like, "Oh, isn't that problematic to be in the, our packs?" I'm like, "No, it's great, dude." When I go to market and I'm with people I can hang out with and want to spend time with. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah Maverick in Chicago. You going to Swaff? You, you ever been off of that wine fair? No, super fun, okay. dude. Yeah, super fun. You should check it out. I mean, it's right, right up your alley. I mean, all, yeah. all, all of our friends are out there for that. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, I don't do a ton of wine fairs because I feel like, you know, some there's a lot of them. Right. But that one, it's, it's super... a lot of giving your product so yeah. somebody can sell tickets. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. I know yeah. it's true. It's true. Yeah. But I'll be out there in Chicago for that. So yeah, cool. a lot of lot of travel coming. I'm up. I'm up in the Northeast and uh, in the Finger Lakes and in a bunch of areas up uh, up up north in Canada uh, in the next few months in the Midwest too. So yeah. Will you That's just leave right. a couple wines at um, Bottle Barn so that? Those of us that live here locally can. Yeah, but no, Barry has my wines in about yeah, yeah, as well. Okay. And, and I mean, I mean, beyond Napa carries my wines uh, they, locally. There's all kinds of just uh, retail shops, Miracle Plum in in, in Santa Rosa. Oh, cool. Yeah, R I know. R.I.P. Yeah. Miracle Plum. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah but, the, but the wine club is still the wine club open. exists. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And actually, I just heard that uh, the bakery that they've been working with all the time, Marla Bakery, is going to go into the old Miracle Plum space. So oh. it's going to, you know, the vibe will stay. That's the vibe great. Will stay. Man, yeah. it's sad. I love that place. Yeah, no. Yeah. Shout out to Sally and Gwen. Yeah. Gwen's the best. Yeah. It's awesome. 
this gave me sadness. I yeah. Know. <laughs> the bummer of the miracle. You know what happened is like there's all that cool stuff that you get at Miracle Plum, all those like food, you know, this like turmeric that I would all, and then people yeah. discovered it and then they started putting it in their own places and right. you know, it started to cut them out from the underneath, I think. It's well, and it's like those cool places syrup. where people yeah. people always go Oh yeah, you guys had the coolest spot. And it's like, well then why didn't you fucking come here right? yeah, twice exactly. oh, yeah. a week? So true. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. All right. Well. So give love to your local retailers. Please. Totally. Yeah. Please. All right, cool. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thank well, you guys Zeus. for having me. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure to meet you guys. Yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. Any shout outs? Is this gonna come out before or after we April Phil's? Don't day? know. You're right. That's a good uh, question. Possibly. <laughs> Maybe. No. I think you should release it on April first and then say we special guest Robert Parker. <laughs> It might come out. It might come out, it might come out the day before, April third, March thirtieth, or whatever. But we want people to listen. Oh damn, they'd listen. I'm sure. Yeah, we'd probably get some listeners for yeah. Robert Parker on the you show. You can always go back and yeah. yeah. Um, but spring release is oh yeah, sixteen six hundred spring release is live. Uh, you should have an email in your email inbox. Robert or a wine has box. called with his edits. Of course, the, uh, fucking Robert. Release. Did he? Did he really call that? Call with edits? No, he didn't email me this time. All right, he did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Calling me out on all my bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I perfect. There was a um, we made some edits on it. <laughs> I've got you know I always leave a couple typos in there just to you know mix. No, people make gotta it know it's a real person. Yeah, right? yeah totally. This is not well, chat GPT. No right chat GPT <laughs> on that. Oh. I love you guys so hot on this fucking AI shit. <laughs> I got a fourteen-year-old daughter who got it, one yeah. of her friends just got busted supposedly busted for writing a report. That oh, wow. The, the the teacher says, well, I ran it through my AI thing, and it 92% says it's created Well, I mean, she's just really AI. fucking smart. That's crazy about teachers running shit through AI detectors. That's yeah. the whole thing. So wow. my wife ran it through her four AI detectors and didn't come up with anything. So, so now anyway. this is the job we're making teachers do. This fucking sucks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, great. <laughs> right. yeah. My yeah. AI can beat your AI, though. Yeah. yeah, I'd right, like cool. to have just any eye. Fuck. <laughs> just give me yeah. some intelligence. I don't need an artificial, natural. I don't care. Just give me some eye. Sonoma Valley high. Yeah, exactly. There wasn't a lot of there's Sonoma Valley. There's no eye in that word. <laughs> All right. Thanks for stopping by. You Thank guys, you guys. Uh, good yeah. luck getting the barrels back to uh, yeah. Let's get those barrels. Back to Sebastopol, back to PAX. Yeah, okay. we're bottling on uh, a week from today. No, we can, we're bottling on Thursday. We're bottling on Thursday. Uh, what do you got in barrel? Uh, that's uh, some more Sauvignon Blanc. We, 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 uh, the Sauvignon Blanc that we're, that we're bottling uh, on Thursday, we didn't have enough gallonage of uh, because um, people wanted kegs. I started doing a lot more kegs. Mm -hmm. I've been a big believer in kegs uh, and we're doing more. So I just got a last minute keg order, a lot big keg order for a place in Florida. Yeah. Uh, so I needed to up my gallonage and that was going to be some of the components. That was some of the components that were going to go into the Skull White oh. that were here that we so much that we made. So I'm transporting that back so that we can make uh, up the Sauvignon Blanc content of Montreal. Nice. That's the cool thing about being able to do this. It'll make some more fluid. Yeah, yeah. Totally. So yeah, yeah. It's a good model. So there'll be less Sauvignon Blanc in the Skull White this year. Right, but more kegs of Montreal is ours. Totally, and, right. and less less wear and tear on the environment. Ideally, rent no bottles, no. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm all about. Wait, the and whatever happened to the cans? We never made them. I, you know, it's too. It's too. It just the, the model doesn't make sense for me. Selling cans for that expensive, and it's just not owning a can or a canning this machine was, is problematic. And the waste. If we talked to. Yeah. I talked to uh, Joel from, uh, sorry, Lazarus. He, He's our neighbor. Yeah, so yeah. he was telling me the waste thing and he was going through. And yeah, the waste they lost so like 20% yeah, on their crazy. line. Yeah, we've do, we do much smaller canning lines that doesn't have doesn't have, the problem. doesn't have that loss. Okay. But yeah, that, that's unsustainable at that level. No, yeah. yeah totally. And I, just to make the price point, yeah. for me, it's like making it cost 
you know, what would be under under uh, $8 for a, for retail for a can, I guess. Right. Well, that's the thing that didn't make sense as a buyer, too, is like, I'd rather buy a bottle than buy this can that you're going to make me spend six bucks on. I can sell right. it for 10. Exactly. Well, that's why we're doing bag in box. The math year. doesn't make sense. You're doing sense. bag in box, too. Yeah. So I, I saw that Morgan posted yeah, it. We've been yeah. wanting to do it. Rhyme has been doing it. I've just been waiting. I, you know, it's like, I don't want to add another thing. And I also, when Rhyme did it, I was like, we were talking about doing it. And I don't want to ever, Megan, Megan and Ryan, I love, and I never want to step in their toes or steal their thunder. I'm like, you go, like, do it. And then, then you know, he, when Morgan posted, I'm like, well, fuck it. Now, if everybody's on right. it, let's, all, let's do yeah. it together. Yeah, let's totally. do it together. And so I'm, Morgan and Chris reached out to me. They're going to show me what they, how they're set up. And we're going to do some Skull Red in box this year. Cool. Yeah. This is what I'm talking talking about how the pendulum swings my grandpa when i was like 12 had fucking wine in a box in his refrigerator yep so did i Franzi. i was like regular yeah. that's like what college. i'm talking yeah, about yeah I, I, I mean <laughs> i did i did when i did the playboy show i actually did a review of box wine you we should watch it if you haven't that, seen it right yeah. if you want to yeah if you haven't, if you haven't seen it so you can check it out all, that's all those playboy uh videos are still like they, existing yeah, in there, right? yeah they're on amazon they're right. on youtube tasting notes with patrick capiello okay. that was yeah i mean that was great i mean I, I did awesome events with great chefs i mean little videos with great chefs they used to torture me it was a reason when monorio came was a big part of that because my editor jeremy used to blind taste me on wines he bought at Trader Joe's, like 15 and under. And it was like constantly Coppola wines were always last and I would just fucking shit all over because they were blind tastings, <laughs> legit blind tastings. And I was like, this guy's going to kill me. Right. Like I'm, I'm literally like, going to wake up with a horse head. Exactly. <laughs> fucking with the wrong human being. But they were always horrible. And so I was like, why is there such bad, bad? And if you want, I did sparkling wines one time and that was what set me on the course of wanting to do the force carbonated skull white. Because I was like, I remember tasting those sparkling wines. They were so bad. I mean, so bad. California, like Cooks and Corbell and yeah. oh my god so and Corbel I want to love I mean it's in my backyard right. yeah. in fact every day. if I wanted to make Historic. a vineyard that was almost from Monterio like I should be kissing their ass to get some Chardonnay from that vineyard that's right out there on, 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 right on, on the River, there, River Road yeah yeah, yeah. 116 like that vineyard is the closest you can get to Monterio Right. But they're never going to sell me grapes because I shit all over their wines yeah, in a video too so <laughs> <laughs> anyway fantastic next time Thank you guys again. Thanks for coming in, man. Yeah, appreciate it. In the it. middle of uh, bottling and the whole deal. Barrels funny. on the truck. You got to get the, you gotta get those back into the winery. Back to go, yeah. Cool. Right. Cool. Well, thanks Patrick, again, thank guys. you, Jesus. Thank yeah. you. Appreciate Subs you both. Appreciate subscribe. You all. Subscribe, all. review. Tell your friends. Only if they're cool. Drink more Carignan. <laughs> yeah, drink more Carignan. Sweet. Mm, just turn it off.